Good morning. Some familiar faces here that I haven't seen in a while. And it's good to see you all. Uh, today's scripture readings are first from Isaiah, the first nine verses of chapter 42, and that is on page 513 in your Pew Bible. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching, the islands will put their hope. This is what the God the Lord says, the creator of heavens who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you a covenant to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeons those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. See the former things that have taken place and new things that I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. And to page 761 in your pew Bible. first 11 verses of chapter 12 in John. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took out a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Jesus Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. So God bless the reading of his word. How's everybody today? So good to see the church full today. Thank you all for being here. Um, this week, my attention was caught by the John scripture, and it's been swirling in my head all week. So I'm hoping that what God wants to come out will come out, and it will make sense, okay? So bear with me. 
Um, what is the most expensive thing you can think of? The most expensive thing. A house? Yeah, I just saw one on uh, Country Club for a, a big price. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's a nice house, but big price. What else is the most expensive thing you can think of? The next thing you need that you can't afford. Absolutely. That's, that's always a very expensive thing. A tax bill. <laughs> maybe it's jewelry or maybe it's a car. I heard people talking about cars this morning. Expensive cars. Yeah. Well, I also know that some perfumes are very expensive. Um, little tiny bottles like this could go for thousands of dollars. <laughs> no, it's hers. <laughs> I wear the cheap stuff. <laughs> a, a little tiny bottle this size could be worth hundreds or thousands of dollars. Why? And no, Mommy didn't buy it. Somebody bought it for Mommy, but it wasn't me. Because I don't have that kind of money to waste on perfume. I buy the cheap stuff. It lasts a long time, and it smells good. But I was thinking about Mary and the perfume that she poured on Jesus' feet. It was very expensive. They said it was worth a year's salary. Can you imagine spending a whole year's salary on a little bit of perfume? Apparently, people do, because Chanel makes a one that's $4,000 an ounce. $4,000 for one ounce. I, I think that might be what's in here. Uh, can you imagine? That's a bit ridiculous. And she took it, and she poured it on his feet of all places. Dirty feet. I don't know. I get pedicures every now and then, and it's wonderful, and they put nice oils and things on my feet. But it doesn't cost me $1,000. It doesn't even cost me $100. And it's pretty wonderful. So I was thinking about that, and I was thinking, what is the most valuable thing that we have? What's, what thing do you have that's the most valuable to you? A Bible? A what? Okay. Water. <laughs> um, it might be, it might be a, a small trinket that a child made for you. Or it might be... Yeah. Uh, there are lots of things that have no financial value. Yeah, you could build a house. Um, but a lot of things that have no financial value but have a lot of sentimental value. And I was thinking about Mary and her expensive perfume that she gave to Jesus, poured it on his feet. But I also think that she gave him something much more valuable. She gave him her heart. Um, Mary's the one that sat at his feet and learned from him while Martha was off busy doing whatever in the kitchen and everything else, worrying about everything else. But Mary gave Jesus herself. Not only did she pour the oil and the perfume on him, but she gave him herself. And that makes me think about what Jesus did for us. He gave us himself. He didn't stop with saying, okay, well, I'm just going to forgive your sins. I'm just going to, you know, heal a few people here and, you know, do a few miracles there. No. 
He gave everything he had. He gave himself. And I think you can't put a price tag on that, can you? No. There's a, a song somewhere that we've sung, I know I've sung it before, about there is no price tag that you can put on Jesus and what he did for us. So what can we do for him? We can give him our heart. We can give him our whole being. We can give him everything that we have. And I think that that's what Mary did, and I think that's what we are called to do. I also found it weird that a couple weeks ago, and I, 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 it doesn't quite, quite fit, but I have to throw it in because it just really smacked me right in the face. A couple weeks ago, we talked about how Samuel anointed David with oil, put oil on his head, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks that a woman anointed Jesus with oil, but not on his head, on his feet. King Jesus, servant king. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you that you did not hold anything back from us. You gave us yourself. You gave us eternal life. You truly are King Jesus. Help us to give you all of us, our whole being, our heart, our mind, everything we say, everything we do. We know that to you it's of much more value than any earthly possession that we might spend our money on. So help us to be focused on you and worship you with our entire being. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Don't buy expensive perfume. It's not worth it. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Lord God, please open our ears and our hearts. Open my mouth to speak your words. Help us to receive them um, into our very selves. For your glory and honor, in Jesus' name, amen. So as we've mentioned a few times already, today is Palm Sunday. And this year, we don't always do this. This is the first year we've done this since I've been here. But this year we're going through the scripture passages listed out in the Revised Common Lectionary. And um, so the ones that were for this Sunday didn't make any sense to me as being Palm Sunday passages. Um, but... The good news was, there are actually, because it's Holy Week, there are actually passages listed for every day this week, so I just looked at all of them, and um, none of them were actually the story of Palm Sunday, but today's passage from John um, actually happens right before Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and I thought that it was something good to look at, um, not just for the season that we're in, in the church year, but also because it actually has some connections to what we'll be celebrating later this morning. So today's main passage about Jesus and his disciples at Mary and Martha's house and Mary pouring out her expensive perfume on Jesus' feet, that follows on from the story that Barb also told us about last week with Lazarus being raised from the dead. So Last week we talked about resurrection in general, and Barb focused on Lazarus's story and how Jesus raised him from the dead, and that was pretty remarkable. Um, Jesus had revived some other people in other stories in the Gospels, but Lazarus's resurrection was unusual because 
he'd already been dead for three or four days. And so the fact that he was able to walk out of the tomb um, was surprising. And we see at the end of this passage from John 12 today that um, lots of crowds showed up at this dinner because they wanted to see not just Jesus, but Lazarus, because they knew he had been dead, and now he wasn't. Um, here's something really crazy about the hope of resurrection. The idea of resurrection sounds kind of great, right? You can, like, come back to life and live a full life. Like, you're not a zombie. You're, like, actually alive. Um, but apparently, the hope of resurrection makes some people murderous which is insane, if you think about it. Um, John 11 tells the story of the raising of Lazarus and records that story as the tipping point for when all the Jewish religious leaders get together and they say, you know what, this guy has gone too far, we gotta kill him. So he gave someone life and they decide they wanna kill the life giver, essentially. But in chapter 12 we find out they also decide to take Lazarus out of the equation, because if they just killed Jesus, but Lazarus is still walking around, then there's still going to be people who are like, yeah, but that Jesus guy. <coughs> so they don't, they don't want that. So I'm not sure how long it is between Lazarus's being raised to life and this dinner, but I don't think it's very long. Anyway, we're back at Mary and Martha and Lazarus' house, and they're having dinner in honor of Jesus. What do we already know about Mary and Martha? They're sisters, and they're sisters of Lazarus. <laughs> I love it. One gets stuff done, <laughs> and the other one learns from Jesus, right. There's a story, it is amazingly short, uh, an amazingly short story, but it is very well known in the Gospels about these two sisters, and they have Jesus over for dinner, and, and, Mary's, and Martha's working really hard. Mary is sitting with the men, like a regular disciple of a rabbi, and learning from Jesus, and Martha is like, hey, tell my sister to get out here in the kitchen and help me out. And Jesus is like, stop stressing, Martha. You can you're welcome here too, like, Mary has actually chosen the more important thing. <coughs> That's not what today's sermon is about, but just keep in mind that, that there's that piece already. So Mary is actually kind of acting in character here in tonight's story. They're having another dinner, and Mary doesn't seem to, she's, I think she's the younger sister, maybe this is a birth order thing, she does not seem to care what other people think about her, and if she's behaving socially acceptably. Um, she goes into her living space, and she brings out this bottle of expensive perfume. Like Barb said, it costs a year's wages. Um, most likely, she had been saving it for her dowry. That would be how you would often, in this in these cultures or in this time period, you would have a, um, you wouldn't have money to bring into your marriage. You would have something that was worth a lot of money that you could sell that was basically something that you had invested in that gave you some monetary value because 
let's be honest, um, there wasn't a whole lot of equal status between men and women in this time period. And so the idea of her taking not only something this expensive, but something that was set aside for her livelihood in the future, breaking it open and pouring out the whole thing on some rabbi's feet is really extreme. She's not just saying, Jesus, you're worth a lot to me. She's saying, I am betting my entire future on you, Jesus. My whole life, here it is. I'm giving you the whole thing. She's got nothing now if she wants to get married. And what recourse do women have if they don't get married in this time period? Her devotion to Jesus, which first involved sitting at his feet and learning from him, turned into action, pouring out the symbol of her entire precious self. She held nothing back. So, in, other, in the other Gospels, when this is recorded, most of the other Gospel writers don't um, pinpoint Judas. They don't throw him specifically under the bus. They say, the disciples asked, why this waste? So, Judas is, you kind of get the idea if you read all four of the Gospels. John has some particular disciples that maybe he did or didn't get along with. Judas is definitely one of them. What is Judas's problem in this passage with what Mary did? Well, she didn't spend his money, but, well... <laughs> Okay, she wasted money that ministry could have used to help other people. So it wasn't really his or the ministry's, but if she was going to do something that extravagant, why didn't she just give the ministry the money, the perfume, and have them sell it, and they could get some money, and then they could feed some poor people? He says, we could have we we fed the poor here. Um, why is this a bad objection in this case? Right. John points that out. He says he wasn't really concerned about the poor. He just he used to take money from the common purse, and so he was thinking, man, I could have I benefited from this. Now nobody gets to. Um, so we understand why this is a bad objection on Judas's part, but is this a bad objection in general? Okay. On... Um, <laughs> okay, you can rationalize anything, that's true. Um, yes? Yep. Okay, somebody behind you. Okay, I love that. Judas is saying, or the disciples are saying, or whoever, is saying it's a waste. Um, not in this particular text, but they do say that. But it's never a waste to pour something out on Jesus. Yes. Okay, let's, let's bring this to 
here. We have, some of, we are, poor people in this church. <coughs> and we know that God cares for the poor. There are poor people in this town. Um, in Isaiah 42, which we read in the, in the earlier scripture reading, I'm coughing because I'm talking. This is going to not be great. I apologize. In Isaiah 42, it says, Here is my servant whom, I'm up, whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. <coughs> More cough drops, please. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. In faithfulness, he will bring forth justice. Thank you. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. Poverty is... And an inequity. It is not the way the world is supposed to work. It is a result of the fall. And there are people who are poor because of poor decisions that they've made. But poverty in general is not fair. <coughs> it is unjust. It is how the world works, but it's not how the world is supposed to work. And it is unjust, and it's one of the things throughout the Bible that God um, expresses compassion for and mentions when he's talking about bringing justice to earth. We mentioned Jesus' first sermon last week. He preached his first sermon from Isaiah 62, and he said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. <coughs> so sorry. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. So when I think of this story from John, I kind of, it's not a stretch for me to imagine Kathleen Bonds doing this. For one thing, she had super long hair. Um, but she also did not hold herself back from people, but from Jesus. She did not hold herself back. I am really happy, maybe this has happened, but I haven't heard it. I have not heard anyone say about her <coughs> generous gift that she bequeathed to our church to get the kitchen renovation started. I haven't heard anyone say why this waste, we could use it to help the poor. This indicates to me just how much people here love Kathleen and Jesus and his church. In fact, people rose to the occasion and people here and online, and raise the rest of what was needed so that today we can celebrate the completion of the kitchen. But somebody could have made that objection, right? <coughs> people in Kathleen's family have financial needs. People in this community have needs. And Kathleen herself knew what it was like to have financial needs. So here is a question. When is devotion to God too much? Well, but what is that? This is really tricky. <laughs> right. It's tricky, and so I think one of the messages in this story is we don't get to judge someone else's motivations. 
and their devotion to God. What does Jesus say in response to Judas? He says, leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. We can break this down into a few things to keep in mind <coughs> when we are looking into our own hearts and how we're giving ourselves to Jesus, and also um, if we're watching other people and we're a little concerned about their devotion or lack of to Jesus. The first one is what I just said, leave her alone. Don't judge another person's expressions of devotion to Jesus. Let's be clear about this. There are other passages where Jesus calls people to task for dedicating their resources to God just so they don't have to take responsibility for other people. Um, in particular, in the passages that I'm thinking of, he's saying to some of the religious leaders, don't just take your money and dedicate it to the temple so you don't have to take responsibility for your aging parents. Um, that is false devotion. That's not really devotion. That is like Judas looking out for your own interests and making it religious sounding. Um, there are other, I think that there are times sometimes where we can say, we can make a good objection, a good sounding objection, like we could use this for the poor, but would we really use it for the poor? Like Judas, sometimes we make objections like that just because someone's devotion makes us uncomfortable or offends us, but we don't actually really care about the poor. I'm not talking us specifically, I think this church does, but, um, but, I, but I've seen that happen, and I've probably done it myself. Um, in this case, it is clear that this is not what Mary is doing. She's not just being religious for the sake of being religious. That would be crazy. This, this would not be a sensible way to do that. The Bible describes Mary being judged for her devotion to Jesus twice. We've already mentioned both of them. She's judged for wanting to sit at his feet and learn from him, and she's judged for pouring out her whole self on his feet. She's around his feet a lot. You can usually tell the difference between a person who is being generous for recognition or power and a person who is holding nothing back for love. It's not really our, jo our job necessarily to parse that out, but you can usually tell the difference. And a lot of it comes from the trajectory of their life. What do we see in their lives? Well, Mary started out devoted. She's still devoted. She's being totally consistent. She didn't do this for recognition or power, but because she was so overflowing with love for Jesus, she poured out on him the most valuable thing she had. We don't get to judge someone else's gift to Jesus when they are genuinely dedicating everything they have to him. <coughs> the next piece of what Jesus says is, it was intended that she should save this person perfume for the day of my burial. She didn't know that. When we have dedicated ourselves completely to Jesus, the preciousness of our lives has a purpose in God's redemptive plan for the world. 
We don't know what it is. Mary didn't know what it was. In her case, she had the honor of prepping Jesus for his burial even before he died. In Kathleen's case, she got a project going here that has the potential to bless our congregation in this town, including the poor. In my case, in your case, how will God make our lives part of his redemptive story when we hold nothing back from him? We don't know, but he, he'll do it. He always does it. Then he says, you will always have the poor among you. This seems kind of ambiguous. Does this mean, well, we're always going to have the poor, so I guess we don't actually have to help them? Is that what it means? I like your take, Lorna. You see this as an encouragement. You want it? Can you? I know you're. I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> but, or I'll. You will always have the poor among you. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think you were, a few weeks ago, you were talking about this and you said, This is encouraging to me because. I am always trying to help the poor, and sometimes it feels like it's too big, and there's nothing that, like, I'm not making any difference. But it's encouraging to know there's, it is too big. It's always going to be too big, but you can still make a difference. You can still do something for the poor. But don't hold back someone else's dedication to Jesus on the basis of this thing, because... Mary, if Mary had not poured out her perfume on Jesus' feet and she had given it to Judas to sell and give to the poor and also Judas's pockets, they would have helped a little bit, but probably wouldn't have helped the whole problem. They would have still had the poor. And so Jesus isn't saying, don't care about the poor. Oh, well, you're always going to have the poor. But he is saying, don't hold someone back on the way they feel called to dedicate themselves to me. God will take care of the poor through the people he chooses. Also, when we pour out our whole selves to Jesus, that is not what is going to prevent the poor from being cared for. When we hold nothing back from Jesus, we are giving his spirit permission to change us from the inside out. God cares for the poor, the oppressed, the imprisoned, the disabled, the marginalized, and he chooses to do it through the lives of human beings who have held nothing back from him. So when we pour out everything we have to Jesus, say, Jesus, I, 100% of me and everything I have is yours, then we are going to start to get the mind of Christ. We're going to start to think like God thinks we're going to start to value what God values, and we will help the poor or other people who need God's help in their lives. Then he says, he says, you will always have the poor among you. You will not always have me. Really? <laughs> A few chapters from now, Jesus will celebrate his Passover with the 12 disciples, and at that supper, Jesus tells his followers, that he is going away. 
so they won't always have him, but that his own Holy Spirit is going to come to be with them. And the Holy Spirit can't come to be with them until he goes away. So he says, and you know that they don't get this, he says, it's good for you that I go away, because then the Holy Spirit will be with you and in you. He is going to be killed and buried, and he will return to the heavens and his father sometime after that, when he is after he is resurrected. But when we have offered our whole selves to Jesus Christ, we will always have him by his spirit merged with our spirits. And by his spirit in the faces and hands and brotherly and sisterly love that he gives us for each other. The reason that we can trust Jesus to be gentle with what is precious to us, which is in the Isaiah 42 passage too, he says, a bru- it says, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. The reason we can trust him to be gentle like that is because he held nothing back from us either. And so we are going to celebrate communion today. Um, Communion is really a celebration of Jesus pouring himself out completely, no holds barred, nothing held back for us. Um, I'm going to pray and we'll sing our communion hymn and then Barb is going to officiate communion for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your complete dedication to us sending us your son in the flesh, Jesus Christ, and the way that he didn't hold anything back from us either. We want to honor him and his name. We want to honor his life in this church body, in each other. We want to recognize you and your presence. We thank you that you are so devoted to us and you long for us to be devoted to you. We offer you ourselves today in Jesus' name. Amen.